Hello there. Welcome to the Thriving Family Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. It's Teresa and Barbara. We're so happy you're here. We know how many great podcasts are out there, and we're grateful that you're taking the time to hang out with us in a supportive space to fill your cup and elevate your life. This podcast is about parenting, but a lot about taking care of you as the parent. We are the captain of our family ship, so the better we feel, the more smooth sailing there is for everyone. We really want to discuss the tough and awkward subjects that we all come across in parenting, especially with school-aged and older kids. We're here with you through all the peaks and valleys to hold space for you through all the feels and to help make sure you always put on your own oxygen mask first. Our hope is that you know you're never alone in parenting and that we're here to support you at every stage. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, and we provide new content every week. If you have a question for us, please reach out on Instagram at Thriving Family Podcast. We're here for you, so let us know what topics would be helpful and that you're interested in. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with family and friends. If you leave a review, you'll have the opportunity to win a gift that we absolutely love. We'll tell you more about it at the end of the episode. Let's get started. This is such a special episode. We have Suzanne, who is just amazing and a super talented writer. She has a book about her first child, Owen, who was born with Down syndrome. And she explains in such a beautiful way about that experience and also having two more children and how she concentrated on finding the right inclusive setting for her son. Her original grassroots group of moms with children who have Down syndrome became a springboard into multiple support groups and nonprofit organizations. With Suzanne's wonderful writing talent and experience, she ditched the corporate life and began consulting for Sony so she had time to finish her book about her life with Owen. An excerpted chapter from her book received uh, honorable mention in the Writer's Digest 91st Essay Competition, and she's currently working on a documentary short about Owen's success in swimming. She resides in Westlake Village with her husband and three children. Take a listen. You won't regret it. Hi, Suzanne. We are so excited (laughs) to have you on today. We really love talking about things that kind of we're all just, how do we handle this? And you have been so amazing with your community and with your son with Down syndrome. Teresa and I love how you've made his life really inclusive from day one and little things that you've done and ideas. And I just think this is so important, not only for Down syndrome parents, but anyone with kids with special needs of any sort. We think you are such a champion in that space that we wanted to share your love, your passion, and your outlook that is so awesome and positive. We're just absolutely honored to have you on today. Well, thank you. And so I'm going to just go back a minute to to something you said, because I think it's something we wanted to bring up. You said Down syndrome parents. I'm a parent who has a child with Down syndrome. So it's not their only label. It's not my only label. I'm not a Down syndrome parent. I'm I'm someone who has a son with Down syndrome. And just like my son, I say, I have a son with Down syndrome. So it's just a part of him. It's the extra chromosome but it, it's not his whole label. Like he's also an athlete, you know, he's a swimmer and he's a college student actually. <laughs> and so my son is 19 years old and since he was born and young, 
little. I just always, I, we were shocked by the diagnosis. We didn't know until he was seven days old and only through a blood test and nobody in the NICU, everyone was shocked because he didn't look, he didn't have a lot of the signs of it. He didn't have the look of it. And it was very shocking to me. And I actually have just finished a memoir about sort of my journey with my son. But one thing we always believed is when he was young is that we really felt that life was not going to be a special needs class. And we would have to figure out how we were going to manage to make him adhere to more being more typical than not. I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up in Michigan, and we were still just past the cusp of when people had put their, their children with Down syndrome into homes. I was the generation after that where you raise your son with Down syndrome or your child with Down syndrome. But I remember when I was first had him, I thought, I don't want him to be that kid that goes around hitting people hard on the back, yelling, hi, I'm, oh. And like, I just had a sense that my child can be just like other kids and he can be normalized like other kids and included like other kids. But it's up to me as a parent to define what that is and to push him in that direction. So when he was young, I was always like, no, that's not appropriate. No, you can't do that. Gentle, gentle, gentle. And in fact, I really believe that since we have gone the inclusion route, that inclusion begins from birth. And I think it's true of anyone, like any child even. Everyone has their quirks, everything, you know, but we want our kids to be a part of society and we want them to have a great life. And yes, we champion their individuality. But I think for my son, I wanted to make sure that he had every opportunity, just like any other kid, and just like his siblings would have as they came along. So even something as simple as potty training, I looked at the timeline, I listened to what the doctor said, and they all said, oh, they, he won't potty train until he's four or five, maybe six years old. And I was online researching and I thought, really? So I just wait? So I researched it and I found one woman who had written online about how she decided to potty train her daughter with Down syndrome at one and a half years old. And she was completely successful. So I came home with a little potty seat from Target and my son was 22 months old and he had been learning sign language. So he had about 30 signs and my husband looked at me he's like, what are we doing? And I said, we're potty training him now. <laughs> and he didn't walk until he was two years old. So he was crawling. I put the potty seat in the bathroom and I said, we're going to teach him the sign for potty. Every time you have to go, put him on the toilet with you next to you. Give him a book to read. Let's figure this out. So we taught him the sign for potty, which was this. And we, we put him on the toilet and he went and we're like, oh, that's so funny. Like, you know, that was probably just so random. So then, you know, about every three hours, I would say to him, potty, and we put him on the toilet, and he went. And literally within three days, he was potty trained. We'd see him doing this little sign, and we'd be like, get him to the toilet, and he went. And within a couple of weeks, he was potty trained through the night. Wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> My yeah. mother-in-law doesn't believe, she's like, well, that that's that's not, you know, you know, all night, that's really bad for him. I'm like, well, kids learn to hold it all night because- that's what you do when you body train. So for until he could walk, we had to literally put him on the toilet and we slept around a whole potty seat every time we went to a hotel or went to someone's house. 
but he was fully potty trained. What I love about this is it's such a perfect example of how you started and, you know, the doctors or whoever was like, oh, this isn't going to happen till then. But you were your son's own advocate. And we're like, no, we're going to try this. We're going to do our own thing and not follow the norms that have been. And so you just day one, you're like, I'm going to do what's what I feel is right. Cause you are the best. You are on the front lines, you know, your own kid and you're trying it and you're just doing different things, which I think is so important. The other thing is you have to, I mean, as we all know, cause we've potty trained all our kids, right? They get to a point where they get smarter than they, they, they think, Oh, how am I going to use this? Like my mom wants me to potty train. So how am I going <laughs> to use this as a, to my advantage? Because that's what happened with my daughter. We waited until she was three. Right. And then she was like, well, I'll only do it if, so I just realized, you know what, when we tra- trained him, it was purely physical for him. There wasn't any of the mental How can I use this to my advantage? Now, my kids with Down syndrome are super smart, but it's not in the way society wants them to be smart, right? In fact, they're actually, as I've watched my son grow up, they actually decide that they don't want to adhere to the way society wants them to be. And they're very stubborn about it. And I think sometimes I look at them and I think, yeah, you know what? I wish I could say, I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to. So make me, and you can't because they're so stubborn and you're like, but how many times have we thought, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'd like to just do what I want to do right now, which is daydream, sit in my bed, you know, eat really good food. That's such a blessing. It is a blessing. Such a blessing. One thing about kids with Down syndrome is that they live in the moment. So it took him, my son, a really long time. And he still has a little bit of an issue with what day was yesterday? What, what happened a week ago? It took him a long time to learn the days of the week. And why? Because he wasn't concerned about him. He didn't stress about tomorrow. And he wasn't anxious about what happened yesterday. In fact, he's, I said to him about six months ago, I said, Owen, are you jealous of anybody? And he said, jealous? What does that mean, mom? And I said, okay. And I said, well, do you like hate anybody? And he goes, why would I hate anyone? And I just thought, isn't that so interesting that they just, you know, I know people always say, oh, they have pure love. Well, they get angry sometimes, but not at anyone else. Like he actually will get, you know, mad at himself for being like, I should have done this this way. Or, but I feel like they live, there's so much about them living in a moment that I have learned so much about looking at him and saying, just breathe. You got to live in the moment. (laughs) I love that. As you talk about Owen, I'm thinking about how many other parents, especially in today's where there's just, you know, all of a sudden just different things that we're being more aware of where it's not fitting in that cookie cutter box, which hello. I mean, they're kids, they're growing, they're figuring it out. (laughs) And I think it's, you are meeting him where he's at and really appreciating the gifts that he has, which are amazing, like living in the moment and not blaming others and not being jealous. And yeah, like these amazing characteristics that I wish I had more of. Right. <laughs> and you know, it's it going back to the whole idea of inclusion. We did what we were advised to do by the school district and regional center, which I think every state has one. We did all the therapies. We did what they said. But when it came to school, and he was my first, so I didn't have any idea of what it was like raising other kids or having them in school. So 
we decided, okay, we'll do the special day class because we've been told by our teachers that they think this is the best for him, even though he had been in a preschool mix, which was 15 typical kids and five special needs kids, which was great for him. As soon as we put him in a special day class, suddenly he was coming home with behaviors he had never had before. He would roll around on the carpet. He was, he would, you know, disrupt people talking, singing out loud. He started biting. He started hitting things that to me was a red flag. He's hitting his sister, things that he had not done previous. And so it was a red flag for me that where is he learning these behaviors and why? And so I went and tried to observe his class, but you know, a lot of times they don't want you observing their class. And I realized that the makeup of his class was a higher percentage of kids with autism. So I started to realize, wow, he learns by visually watching other kids. What is the makeup of his day? Six hours he's in school with kids who have different behaviors than him. So what was he doing? He was learning those because that was his typical day. Mm -hmm. And he didn't learn to read. He was in kinder first and second is when we had him in special day class. You know, it's such a crucial time for kids to learn to read in first and second grade. And if he had been with typical kids, he would have watched them learning to read and probably picked it up sooner. I, I can't say for sure, but we decided by second grade, we were going to put him in our elementary school, our homeschool. And it was a battle, not a battle. We never had to fight for any of that, but they liked to dissuade parents from putting their kids with Down syndrome in a, asked to talk to the principal. And so he's on the phone and I said, Hey, I just want to introduce myself. My son with Down syndrome is going to be in your school this fall. And he said, and in second grade, and he said, well, we don't have a special day class. It's a, it starts at third grade. And I said, well, we're not doing the special day class. He's going to be fully included. And he said, Oh, okay. And I said, you know, you might want to write my name down. Cause I think you're going to get to know us really well. And he's like, well, he's not my student yet. We'll see how things go. And I think with the, the education system, it was, if you can defer them somewhere else, but we ended up the day before school started, we showed up with his paperwork and his IEP and the receptionist was like, oh, so you have an IEP? And I said, yeah. And I pushed it over to her. I said, and he has Down syndrome. I'm re really excited about going here. And she said, hmm, I can't remember the last time there was a kid with Down syndrome in our school. And she'd been there a really long time. <laughs> so just for clarity then, so that I completely understand this, mm -hmm. if a child has Down syndrome, is that typically considered then a special need or am I getting that wrong? No, it is. Like there's different things you would have. Like there's the IEP, which is the individual education plan. And kids with an IEP are usually the kids that are, have access to special day classes, if that's what parents choose and or inclusion. Some school districts, you have to fight for inclusion because they just don't offer it in his neighborhood. And now there's another thing called least restrictive environment. And that was what we used to say the least restrictive environment for him is his school. That's literally a half a mile from our home. Put him in the school. He was the only kid with Down syndrome. By fifth grade, he got a standing ovation when he graduated from the fifth grade class. Like he really, really made an impact on kids. And in order to help with the inclusion, I mean, here we're coming into the school where most kids had never even known a kid with Down syndrome, right? 
and had certainly not been in school with one. Other parents, you know, you're on a lot of websites and you, you pick and choose what other parents do. So you kind of say, hmm, what can I do to help include, you know, make this a more seamless transition? Other parents have done like big picture books, <laughs> spent a lot of money on that. And I just thought, you know what? I just want to keep it simple. So I cleared it with the principal and the teacher. So I wrote a letter to each parent and then I photocopied them and she distributed them to the parents. But it basically said, I just want to let you know my son is in class with your kid. And he, I don't know if you know, but he has Down syndrome. But And I explained it very um, simple. And I just said, it's an extra chromosome. So sometimes his speech might be a little little hard to understand. And maybe he's a little, he can't do things as well as other kids can, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't like the same things your kids might like, like One Direction or Scooby-Doo. And he likes ice cream. And I said, he has two siblings, younger siblings. I said, I hope you could take a moment to talk to your child about what that means. And if you have any questions, just call me. And then I put in this essay called Welcome to Holland, which was written by a mother, a parent, a son with Down syndrome. And it's this beautiful essay allegorical about how having a special needs child is like you're getting on a plane and you're going to Italy and you, you've talked about Italy dreamed about Italy you can't wait to go to Italy and funny to me is that I did it second grade third grade fourth grade and by fourth grade when I sent the letter and the essay out I came to pick my son up after school and I had all these beautiful little fourth graders coming up to me going I love that essay it was so nice and I was like Oh, right. Fourth graders can read <laughs> because my son wasn't reading yet. <laughs> so they circumvented the, they read the letter and the essay and all these kids came up and they just thought it was fantastic. That's so beautiful. And we're so grateful that you've shared that letter with us. We'll put it in the show notes. So if anyone wants access to it, they can just click on the link and, and get that for sure, because it's so important for not just teachers to understand, but also other parents to understand. And I think you're right. Kids just kind of get it and they get it much more quickly, I think, than probably most adults. But one of the things that you've also mentioned in the past and that I love hearing about is you're not just a mentor or someone who's really built this beautiful community for your son and other children who have Down syndrome and other parents who have children with Down syndrome. You've built this beautiful community, but also you've mentored so many others, especially new parents who all of a sudden find out like you did, your new baby has Down syndrome. Well, what does this mean? And what do we do now, right? What are the next steps? So I would love to hear more about the community you've built. So when I was, when my son was two years old, I realized I didn't have a community, right? I had my all my friends who had typical babies and there were about 10 of us that all had babies around the same time and mine had Down syndrome, right? So I was, Owen was two years old. It was before I got pregnant with my daughter and I just thought like, I need to meet other people who are going through the same thing. So I ended up meeting a couple other moms and I said, why don't you just come over? Let's talk about what we can do. Even if we never do any, bigger group, like at least maybe we meet once a month, just because one thing about having a child with a disability is that you kind of cut to the chase. There's no, it's not like when you meet a, a new mom and you're like, do I like her? Do we have things in common? Do we, you know, so 
when you have a, a baby with Down syndrome and you meet mom with Down syndrome, you're like, oh my God, we're like so mo- almost instant best friends because we have so much to talk about. And, and it's this common denominator that you instantly, there's, there's no politics. There's no, you know, do, does she do the same things I do? That there's no, it's all about like, hey, we're in this together. And so what I did was I met with my girlfriends. I said, let's meet once a month, bring a bottle of wine, bring some food, leave the babies at home. Let's just chat. And that group widened to seven people. And then the next month there was 10 and then it was 15. And we did this for five years, once a month, every Wednesday. And then other parents would say, let me host it. I'd love to host it. And we then there'd be another mom that would surface because she heard about this group. So it was very organic. So I, I wasn't a nonprofit. I didn't start an organization. I just grew it because I needed that. I needed my tribe. I needed to find women who were in the same boat I was. And what's funny is at some point I said, you know what? This is the coolest club I never wanted to join. Because I didn't want to have a kid with Down syndrome, but I got into this club where the women were so cool. And so when I meet moms who have a baby with Down syndrome, I say, first of all, congratulations. And you just, you really have to make them feel like, yeah, my baby is beautiful. I have a baby, you know, I mean, you did come home from the hospital with a baby. There's some parents that don't. And the other thing I say is welcome to the coolest club you never wanted to join. (laughs) And then they kind of think about it and they go, Oh, (laughs) but then they start to meet other parents and my son, they're like, he's in college. And I think they almost fall over because they're like, really? So then so much hope Mm -hmm. and they see that probably that he's older. They, it's like something they can gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So there's all these things, like even just thinking back things, your other kids will do easier but you still have to teach them. I had to teach my son how to take a shower, right? And then I had other parents of kids with Down syndrome going, my kid's 15 and he doesn't know how to take a shower. And I'm like, why not? Like, yeah, it's going to take longer to teach them, but when they can, it's great. You know, we have kids. When your kids start becoming responsible for themselves, it's, it's nice. You get to unhook from that. So it may take them longer but they can learn to do everything everyone else is doing. I love that you, I think that community is so awesome because I'm sure it feels isolating and alone when you don't have the typical, anything outside of the typical people feel that way. I mean, no matter where in their life. And so to have them have that community and that connectedness and the depth, I'm like you said, there's no pretense. It's like, boom, we're in Mm -hmm. it. And this big thing in your life that you can connect on. I I think that's amazing. Well, and not that when I had my other two typical children that I didn't love having a group, I started a play group for kids and my daughter Tess's age. Of course I did. (laughs) Of course I did. (laughs) But the difference was that when I was a new parent and he was my first and I would be at parties with other parents who had typical kids and they would say, their kid would be one and a half and walking and Owen's sitting there in the, in the baby group of the kids that have just sit there. He wasn't even crawling. And they'd be like, Oh, you know, you really don't want your kid walking because you know, then you got to like baby proof your house and you run after him all the time and this and that. And I thought that's the difference. I really do want him walking. Like I am so stinking jealous that your kid is walking, 
because this is my first and only baby at this point. So to me, those were the kind of things that I'd smile and nod. And then I go home and cry because he still wouldn't walk until he was two. And now looking back, I think he did learn to do everything. But when he's your first baby and you want so badly for those milestones to happen and you watch other kids zooming ahead, it's just kind of heartbreaking. It's just like a little piece of your heart breaks again and again, you know? Now I think, you know, I, I'm just so lucky he's my kid. I'm so lucky I get to be around, be part of his world and be a character in his universe. Like he's just, he's got this amazing aura about him. And people really do think that. Like they, people will say, my parents come say, he's really funny. And I'm like, yeah, if anyone took the time to sit with them and like, you know, I think there's our society has this sense of like, ooh, they're different. Like walk around them, don't interact with them. And that goes, that's true for any disability. Well, that's especially why I love your letter is because I think you're addressing it and saying these characteristics about him and explaining what it is, just that awareness, then it takes the fear out of it. And it's like, no, he's this, this, and this, like, yes, he has this, but here's all these other things. And here's just a picture into our world. That's why I love sharing this with so many people because the awareness is huge. And then the fear is taken out and then the inclusivity can be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Kids in those classes that were lucky enough to be with him learned compassion. They got a really fun, loving, funny guy. They could learn to appreciate what made him him, just like all the other kids in the class. And I just think that's awesome. Well, and that's where I feel like inclusion is so important when you have a child with Down syndrome specifically. I can't talk to any other disability because they're all different, right? But with kids with Down syndrome, they really thrive on watching other kids around them and watching, they memorize their mannerisms. So this is so funny. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> but what I remember taking my son to swimming because he swam for Special Olympics swim in Pasadena. So it was a 30 minute drive twice a week. And I'd get home, I'd have a long day at the office. I'd get home, I'd quickly put on my workout clothes because I could run the track while he swam. And we're in the car and I said, oh, and did you bring your water? And he goes, oh, fuck. And I go, <laughs> what? <laughs> he's like, and he looks at me and he's in middle school. And I wanted to laugh because he said it so perfectly. Like any, like, you know, the middle school kids, it's like, they're so excited that they can swear because they're not around their parents. And, you know, all my kids said in middle school, everyone was swearing, right? Because it's new and it's exciting and you could do it. And I literally wanted to hug that kid and be like, you said it so great, just like a typical kid would. And it was in the, like in the, said in the correct context of like, oh, I forgot, right? <laughs> that is awesome. So they pick up, like kids with Down syndrome have this sense of um, visual memory. Okay. But when my son was nine years old, he, it was the year that One Direction played the Olympics, right? Michael Phelps, 2012, it was in London. And he loved One Direction. So we had pre-recorded the Olympic opening ceremony, but we also had recorded Michael Phelps swimming because he was such a big deal that everyone wanted to watch him swim. And so we sat on, you know, the, the parent fail. Oh, I got to work. 
watch TV. <laughs> so we sat him in front of the TV and he was watching One Direction. Well, then it reverted to the next one, which was Michael Phelps swimming. So he became fascinated by the swimming and he started, you know, the old TiVo, you could fast forward and rewind in slow motion. Day after day, hour after hour, he would rewind, fast forward, rewind, fast forward. We're like, wow, he's really into this swimming thing. So a couple of days later, it was during the summer. So we had gone to our neighbors to swim and he was nine and he still couldn't swim. And the other two, my other two kids were learning doggy paddle and they were on their way to swimming. And I said to Owen, Owen, when are you going to learn to swim? And he said, I can swim, mom. I can swim like Michael Phelps. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. So he literally stepped into the pool, dove underwater, wriggled his little body, came up, did the butterfly, touched the wall and said, see, I can swim like Michael Phelps. And my neighbors are like, so have you had been lessons for a long time? And I said, I have never seen that. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. So that's sort of a superpower. Like that was his, like almost like a savant, right? So yeah. we got him into swimming, Special Olympics. And his coach was like, so how long have you had him in, in swim lessons? And we're like, we haven't. She's like, he has a really good stroke. And I said, yeah, he learned that from watching Michael Phelps in slow motion. <laughs> you were saying with the kids in that other class where he was emulating their behavior mm -hmm. with your typical kids, he was being able to like learn the social graces and all that yes. other things from, yeah. Oh, I, that's, I had no idea. That's yeah. amazing. And so he went on, when we moved to Westlake village last year, his teacher was like, your swimming's really good. You could make the swim team. So we had him try out and he made the varsity swim team and he had this great season. He wasn't the fastest, but he learned how to dive. He learned to do a flip turn, part of a community, a team. And he was on a relay with four other, three other seniors in season. He had to swim with varsity, even though he practiced with JV because he wasn't quite as fast. One day it was their last swim meet and he swam with these other three boys and they came in last and Owen was always like, um, he was the lead off. Afterwards, I went up to his other teammates and I said, Hey guys, I just want to tell you, thank you for like really embracing Owen. I know, he, I know you guys always came in last cause he was on your team, but I just really appreciate it. And one of the kids, one of the kids goes, he's a really cool kid. We loved swimming with them. And another one said, you know what? I just had back surgery. So I'm coming back from that. We all swim our own race. We're all in our own place. And I just was like, thank you. <laughs> it was, awesome. so that is how kids affect other kids. Well, and those are the kids you want to raise is the kid mm -hmm. that sees Owen and says that. And I always say my goal is to raise a good human being. And that is just part of it. And having compassion and awareness and just the depth of they're a human being and where, what type no. of human being are they? Now, I also went to the local paper and said, and by the way, this is the first kid who's ever made the swim team at Westlake High School with Down syndrome. Maybe you should do a story on him. So they did. <laughs> awesome. I feel like my role in being his mom, being chosen to be his mom, is that my job is to let the world know how great these kids are. When I first had him and he was in the NICU for seven days and we were waiting for that blood test come back because we had not done it. We did not do any testing with him because I did not want to make a choice. I decided I was pregnant with a child and he was going to be my child. And no matter what he was born with or how. And so I opted not to do any of the testing. 
And my husband, when I said to him, look, the doctor wants to know if we want to do testing because I'm 35 and I don't want to do it, but what do you think? And he said, you know, I don't think our child should have to pass or fail a test before they're born. So I don't want to do any testing either. And, you know, some people may be like, well, you were the unlucky ones, but at the end of the day, I was the lucky one. You know, what if we had tested? What if, you know, we had, I can't imagine my life without this kid. I think he has brought so much to the world and to people. And just the first couple of weeks when we did find out, I can't tell you how many people said, I'm so sorry. As if my child had died. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the first year. And I finally was like, don't be sorry. Like I got to a point where I was like, don't be sorry. I have a cool kid. I still have to say it to people sometimes when I'm like, oh yeah, my oldest son has Down syndrome. I'm so sorry. Like why? He's the coolest kid I've ever met. I'm not sorry. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's about changing what people think. I mean, really, haven't we all, what is the biggest thing every parent, every mom is afraid of? Ooh, my son might be diagnosed with Down syndrome. Do you think we're like, Ooh, maybe they might have autism one day. Well, I don't have to worry about that. It's Down syndrome. It's a test for Down syndrome, right? I mean, do we do a test to be like, Ooh, what if they're going to be trans? I don't know if I want that. So let's, you see what I mean? Oh, totally. Totally. And I just love what a beacon you are for this big community of focusing on the awesome part of it and the gift that it is and what they can do. And Owen has been able to do so much. And that is amazing. And it is a lot due to you and pushing it and being like, yeah, okay, let's let him try. Let's treat this as it is. He's an awesome kid. And I just think that's, I mean, heck, I don't want to raise an asshole <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, and you're raising a really good human being that has like the best heart and is full of joy and positively affects those around him. So that is a huge success. And not to say that he's not just like my other two typical kids, not to say we didn't have a fight this morning because I was like, get out of bed. You have to go to college, get out of bed. I don't want to, I don't want to like, then I'm taking your phone. No, don't take my phone. And so I was like, fine, I'm not going to keep doing things for you to help you get into, to, you know, to help you with the next phase, because right now he's in a junior college and he wants to go to university. And by the way, for any parents who have kids with disabilities, there's a website called thinkcollege.net, which is a website that has all the information about overall there's about 130 colleges and universities around the country that offer college some residential live on campus some where you commute but it's for anyone who has a disability that only receives a certificate of completion from high school which is what my son received and i'm okay with that like I don't ever show anyone my high school diploma. Yeah, I have one. But at the end of the day, he can do so many other things. And for him, because he has so many typical friends that he met in grade school that he's still friends with, all of them are off to college this year. So he said, mom, I want to go to college. I said, well, then we'll make that happen. <laughs> we are in a community college in Ventura that's got a two day a week class that's social skills and computer skills. But what I love about it is he's on campus with typical kids. He's in a college computer lab. But he said to me, you know what, mom, I'm the Down syndrome version of college kid. And I said, yeah, pretty much. 
so he identifies with having Down syndrome, but he also is like, but I want to be doing what everyone else is doing too. I want to be in the, their landscape. And I think, I think that's what we have to understand is that there is no 50-50%. There's not 50% kids with Down syndrome, 50% typical kids. There's a, a, you know, a much lower percentage of kids with Down syndrome or disabilities, and they should be part of our landscape. They should be living and walking and breathing around us all the time. And we weren't the people that were like, oh, I'm going to, we're going to go on vacation. We only went with someone because then we have to do all this, you know, it's extra work. I have just always been like, no, he, I mean, we're Catholic. He had, was baptized and he did first communion. Now he did first communion two years later with, cause he did it with his, his sister Tess, but he did first communion and everyone was like cheering him on. Like it just, there's something about when you see him do those milestones and they, he does them alongside typical kids and there's just an enthusiasm, right? I mean, this kid literally turned around after he did first communion and he like raised his hands in the air and like everyone was like, you really don't do that in church, but this kid's got so much enthusiasm. I love it. And I just love what a strong and amazing leader you are in this awesome community. And for anyone that's listening that knows anyone, can you share where people can find you? Absolutely. I have a lot of imagination when I write stories, but not when I do social. So all my social is Instagram is Suzanne Lazat. So it's um, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-L-E-Z-O-T-T-E. My LinkedIn is Suzanne Lazat. My Facebook is Suzanne Lazat. <laughs> so they can find me just Googling my name. Awesome. And I can't wait for your book to come out. I think that's oh, thank so, you. so awesome to share your journey and what an awesome one it is. And I think you're such a beacon for so many parents out there and we are just happy to share you. Oh, thank you. I want to actually leave you guys with a quote because I found this quote recently and it's part of what I decided to kind of do some footage of Owen swimming because when Owen was swimming for his high school swim team, I decided, what the heck, why don't I try to document some of this. And I have friends who work in the entertainment industry. And one of my friends is an underwater cinematographer and had just bought a camera package. So she brought her camera package and shot some underwater of Owen. And I thought eventually maybe I'll make a documentary out of this whole idea of inclusion and where it has led us. And if I don't end up making a documentary, then I have some really cool footage, right? Some good home movies, I guess. But one of the things I really wanted to kind of leave you guys with, I have this quote that I love and I found it when I was thinking about doing documentary. And it is, a child with disabilities often spends hours being taught how to interact with others. But why don't we teach those without disabilities how to interact with them? I love that. It's so true. It's just, we do, we spend hours like, therapy, sessions, socializing, everything. But there's still that disconnect when they get into inclusion. Hence the reason I had to write the letter. Like on the opposite end of the spectrum, why aren't we teaching our kids, our typical kids to be more inclusive? And maybe that's a whole other, whole other podcast. (laughs) No, but it is good. And it's just good to have the conversation. And again, the awareness, because I've never been able to talk to a parent that has a child with Down syndrome. And it's been such a gift to me because I love knowing 
oh my gosh, this is how to handle it. This is how to, okay. you know, if they're, if my kids are lucky enough to have one in their lives, you know, they like share your letter. I love that. Or heck now I want that parent to contact you because <laughs> what you can do for them and their family, you know, and just, if they don't have it or feeling alone, I, I would share you with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I also you know, love to like, even just hearing you say typical kids, I didn't even know what, like, I love the, I guess, verbiage that you use because I actually wasn't sure this has been so incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we like to ask all of our guests is what is your one top must do each day for self-care? Because taking care of yourself is so important, especially for parents. Yes. Okay. So you guys are going to think I'm crazy and maybe other people will, but I love to work out and every day, no matter if it's a 10 minute workout or I, I put time aside every day and I'm not a morning person. So usually it's like four o'clock, five o'clock. It's been as late as when I would come home from the office, I get home at seven o'clock. I do a 20 minute workout. And then I was like, okay, I can breathe now. So and some days it's like, oh, I'm going to go for an hour hike because I just really want to be in nature and I want that time to myself and I want to listen to a podcast. But I, that is one thing that is a non-negotiable in my life is every day I have to do something physical. And some days, you know, I'm getting older now, so I'm trying to do workouts with weights, right? And it just, and my kids grew up with me working out when I was working part-time and they were little young ones. I had heavy weights all around me because I was doing a lot of weighted workouts and they learned, they saw me work out every day. Needless to say, my kids are athletes <laughs> they're into sports, but I just think it's so important. And I was never someone, I never had time to go to a gym. To me, that was scheduling. Like I just didn't have the time and I couldn't leave. So I always had a, a weights in a room where I was like, okay, I got 20 minutes. Let's do yoga or let me, what do I feel like today? And YouTube's such a great resource because you can find free workouts for any kind of workout. Yesterday, I think I did a dance workout because I was like, I'm just feeling I want something different. <laughs> I think that's awesome and such good modeling for your kids. Obviously, it worked with all of them being athletes. That's awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Oh, it was so good. Was so so good. good. So helpful. And again, these topics that no one talks about and that letter, I mean, if you can reach one person that needs it and then right. they spread it, it's just so, I, I I'm always about the awareness and people not feeling alone. And yeah. as I introduced you and sorry, I said it wrong. <laughs> it's okay. But it actually was good. You it was a great it segue. It was a great yeah, segue for me. I did to... it on purpose. <laughs> there you go. I'll take that. But you know, the thing is that let that essay, welcome to Holland can be for any disability right? Like, because yeah. it's about, um, you, you think you're going to have the same journey everyone else is going to be and you don't. And you're like, I have to find the beauty in my, my journey. And funny enough, my husband and I, we went on a delayed honeymoon after we got married. We'd been together seven years. We got finally got married. We went to Italy and I had been there. I'd spent summers in Italy with a friend of mine and we had like the best trip in Italy, right? We just said it was so great. And as soon as we got back, we were like, okay, now we're going to try to, you know, get pregnant. We got pregnant like immediately. So there's a part of me that's like, he was meant to be right. We didn't have to try. We didn't struggle. And he was my kid with down syndrome. Right. And years later, 
after reading this Welcome to Holland poem, I had to go on a business trip to Amsterdam. And I go to Amsterdam and all of a sudden it all made sense. I was like, because I fell in love with Amsterdam. It was this quiet beauty. That's the only way I can say, you know, Italy is boisterous and loud and wonderful and amazing. And Amsterdam is just a quiet beauty. And I thought, I get it now. I totally get this essay now. And I just think that's my son. You know, you have to find the beauty within. You have to kind of unpeel the layers and yeah. then realize. But what did you name your book? Well, my working title is Absolutely Positive. That's cool. I like that. So, and recently I took a chapter, the chapter when we found out in the hospital, the Down syndrome, diagnosis of Down syndrome. And I reworked that chapter and I submitted it to Writer's Digest 91st writing competition in the essay memoir section. And I got an honorable mention. So awesome. I was really happy about that because I felt like, and because that chapter was really about, it was absolutely positive that he had Down syndrome there was no going back, right? It's kind of like seeing the two lines on a pregnancy test. There's no going back. <laughs> and the other part I like about that title, if in fact that's what it remains, is that he is absolutely positive, right? Like he, there is something about him that lifts people up. That was so good what you just said. I know, um, and it always comes after we end. It always comes I, after. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm never stopping recording ever again. I know. <laughs> Just no, ever, ever. right. It's just not worth it because every time we're like, like so good. But there's a couple things, you know, when you say how a person with Down syndrome, their how different their mindset typically is compared mm -hmm. to what I guess typical people would think, and how like we're striving. People that are maybe more spiritual are striving every day, working toward. You know, let's get rid of the shitty programming we had. Let's let's get to yeah. a point where we're living in the now everything is just a new you know little moment of now and you know you see it in your children and if you don't try like if you consciously go out of your way not to fuck your children up with <laughs> making them no like making them think like the way you think and the way you were raised if you avoid that it is fascinating to watch when i when i got pregnant with axel i went into this doctor i had to change doctors because i changed insurance and i walked in and i said and this goes back, back to the statistics and the programming, right? In your mind, you're like, what are my statistics, blah, blah, blah. And I walked in this doctor and I was like, look, I am your statistic. I've already had a kid with Down syndrome. I know my odds. I'm 40, almost 41. Like, but I don't want to do any testing still. And he looked at me and he said, I have a grandson with Williams syndrome. He's a blessing. He's a gift from God. It's like, let's have a baby. And I was like, great. But I, it, it took me a long time to, to get to that point. And there's very few doctors that are that way because, you know, they'll be like, oh, well, you are a statistic and here's your odds and this and that. And, and it's frightening. It's frightening for first time parents. It's frightening for a third time parent, you know? And I do think that one thing I have to caution myself is that 70% of my kids, and here I will use the statistic, are already who they're going to be. I only have about a 30% influence. So when I do get frustrated with my daughter, because she's got this laid back kind of approach to life that I have never had, I have to just kind of step back and be like, let her go, <laughs> let her, let her be who she's going to be, you know? And we all have, you know, every one of our kids are super different, you know? And that's I always say world interesting, right? Like, yeah. <laughs>
So I always, when people say, oh, you have, you know, how many kids do you have? I said, I have one of each, a boy, a girl, and my son with Down syndrome. <laughs> He's his own anomaly. Yeah. He's- I love just how your outlook is. And I think you are such a beacon and such a leader of hope for this huge community. And I don't think it has to be only parents with kids with Down syndrome. It, it can be anyone with special needs or anything. And your outlook is just genuine and amazing. And by the way, I cried the fir- entire first year that I had my son. I went to therapy. Like I, I thought it was the worst thing in the world. So I have had to come to, you know, and that's part of my book was about how I had to sort of move through that, all that experience because of the way society treats mm-hmm. people with a disability. Really sad the first year. I was really upset. I cried a lot. I, I oh, was like, sure. why me, God? Why me? Why? And scared you know? what his life would be like mm-hmm. and you it's the unknown. And when you don't, when you're not put on that typical track, you're like, well, how do I handle this? And I, I'm sure. And, and then, you know, my husband and I are like, but at the end of the day, we knew from the beginning. So I, you know, there's parents whose kids are diagnosed with autism, like two years or four years. And, and how much of a shock that must be because you already were starting on the road of my child's typical. I mean, at least we got like the bandaid ripped off right from birth. <laughs> it's so interesting because when Owen was like six months old and I said to my husband, I said, well, we're going to, we're going to go, I made it set up an appointment with a geneticist. And he's like, look, we have a diagnosis. His blood type says he has Down syndrome. I'm like, but I still don't believe it. Cause you know, and I would tick off. He doesn't have this and he doesn't have that. And he doesn't have this. And, and you know, and so Eric's like, okay. So we go to this, this geneticist and he like, you know, started doing like the you know, different tests of like his reflexes, his reactions, you know, all this stuff. And he, he measured the space between his eyes and the, you know, the height of his face. And like, cause I guess all this stuff, in our, you know, goes into it. And so like, he has a little fold on one of his ears, but I know other kids that do too, right? He didn't have the Palmer's crease, which is a straight crease across his palm. And yet I have a friend who has a Palmer's crease and she doesn't have Down syndrome. <laughs> So what's so funny is this geneticist says to me, cause I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And he's like, look, he goes, he has all these markers for Down syndrome. He has the blood type, the karyotype, I think they call it. And so he said, but let me tell you a story. He said, years ago, a couple came in here cause they were in their thirties and they wanted to get married. But the husband, the fiance, when he was younger, he had some speech delays. And so they were like, we just want to get tested to make sure there's no like, you know, genetic issues sure enough they test him and he has full-blown trust me 21 down syndrome now this guy had been living and working in the world and then they tested his bone marrow just to be sure full-on trust me 21 and the geneticist said to me if we literally tested every single person when they're born we'd probably find a lot more people who have down syndrome maybe just a bit of it because there are so many ranges so you know and that's where i kind of thought okay, so he has Down syndrome. Well, how can we use that to the best of our ability and influence him to have a better life? Because this other guy ended up like having a job, going to college, now he's getting married, right? So I think it just sort of made me realize it's with everything, you know, we don't test for everything, but if we tested every child, you don't know. And so it's just funny because I, I feel like, 
there's an immediate negativity with Down syndrome, unfortunately. But, you know, we just have to work through it. And it's probably going to take a lot longer than I thought it would for people to change their view. I think more and more as we see these, like, there was an elite athlete who ran a, who did a triathlon who had Down syndrome. And, you know, there's more and more kids that are, you know, the movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon is fantastic. If you guys haven't seen it, it's It's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I'll have to look at it. It's This was such a great episode with Suzanne. She's such an amazing woman, mother, and advocate, and not just for her son, but also for other families. A few good takeaways from this episode are, one, you need to be your own advocate and an advocate for your child. Because if you're not, who's going to be? Two, inclusion and building a community is so important for so many reasons, and Suzanne is such a great example of this. I just love Suzanne's honesty and her integrity and that she says it may have taken her son longer to learn certain things, but she really emphasizes how important it is to teach them in the first place and to maybe even start when a typical child would start, even if it's going to take longer. She's just such a great example of eternal optimism, just like her son, Owen. Three. It's not such a bad thing that a child doesn't want to adhere to how society wants them to be. It's so awesome to be able to live in the moment and to not be jealous of anyone or hateful of anyone. These are such amazing characteristics that most of us are striving for. Four, the words we use are really important. I like how Suzanne clarified for us that she's not a Down syndrome parent and her son isn't a Down syndrome kid. Having a child with Down syndrome and having Down syndrome yourself is just one thing that really makes you who you are. And there's so much more to it. And I also like that she refers to typical kids because I wasn't quite sure how to articulate that. And five, we just love that letter that Suzanne wrote to other parents in her son's classroom. It's just so helpful for parents, teachers, and other kids but also it could potentially be used for other special needs, not just Down syndrome, kind of like as a template. So then you can just take it and adapt it and change it to how it works best for you. I really hope you found this episode as valuable as I did. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you again for joining us today. We know how many other things you could be doing, and it means the world to us that you're here. We hope you always get something valuable from our podcast and that you feel supported. If you have a question for us about our content or anything else, please leave it in your review of this podcast, or you can send us an email or DM us on Instagram. We're here for you. So let us know what topics would be helpful and that you're interested in. You can join our membership by clicking on the link in the show notes. You are never alone in parenting, and we're here to support you at every stage. If you know anyone that would be inspired or supported by this podcast, please share it with them. We provide content every week, so please subscribe wherever you're listening from. If you leave a review, you'll have the opportunity to win a gift that we absolutely love. We're so excited about this giveaway. We only introduce brands to our community that align with our values, and Barbara and I both love the Now Tone Therapy System. This yoga for your mind is one of the most simple ways to relax, relieve stress and anxiety. The creators recommend listening twice a day for only three minutes to receive these benefits or to listen as often as you like. 
And if you buy them, there's a risk-free three-month trial period. What we like best about Now Tone Therapy System is that it's something everyone can make time for. My family likes to listen first thing in the morning and at the end of each day. It's the easiest and most relaxing path to mindfulness daily. We'll link to this amazing product in the show notes below. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time.